0: Hello podcasters, today I am bringing you the early 20s overthinker from a different location now. It is not outside, it is not in my lovely Honda, and it is not upstairs in my room. Today we are actually, or I am actually reporting. I gotta stop saying we, because it sounds like I'm like schizophrenic or something, and I have like different entities talking to you at once, but no, um... I am reporting to you live from my kitchen and I kind of inspired this from uh, I don't know if you guys have seen guys and girls have seen Binging with Babish it's a uh, kitchen show where he kind of draws uh, different ideas different cooking ideas from shows movies pop culture Um, but anyway I kind of paying tribute to that I'm not copying again I am paying tribute by incorporating cooking into my podcast because that is something that I actually love to do. And since this is the first time I'm doing this and I'm kind of making it up on the spot today, I am actually boiling some water to make some coffee because I am exhausted and I'm sure once I pour the coffee, maybe this podcast will actually get a little bit better because um, I'm going to spend this first segment downstairs in the kitchen while I cook and just uh, talk a little bit about you know what I like to cook, what I experiment with normally. And then also, because this is a first timer, I'm gonna be lazy as shit and recook, repurpose my leftovers. And this is a pro tip. I think um, when you are making any leftovers and my leftovers today happen to be Chinese, uh, we sat down at a Chinese restaurant and a buddy of, or buddy of mine And I sat down in a Chinese restaurant and got some amazing food. And I brought it back and I thought, you know, I think this often when I go out and get food, um, I don't like putting it in the microwave after after I bring it back. And the reason why is because I think that, you know, it's already going to be reduced in quality from eating it fresh in the restaurant and then having to reheat it anyway so why would you want to nuke your food and make it a uh, a lot less tasty while you're taking out all the beautiful nutrients and flavor of your food and so most of the time I take my food no matter um, no matter how salvageable it doesn't look or how least appetizing and I try to um, repurpose it in the best way possible. So today, um, I'm going to speak a little bit about my friend. So he is a vegetarian. He got a, some type of tofu dish. Uh, we went to this Chinese restaurant, which, um, I'm probably going to make a lot of shout outs slash sponsor hope references, um, on this podcast. So, uh, anything that I mention, I just want to put out a general disclaimer, I am not affiliated with, or not yet affiliated with. Um, But any any shout out I make, there's no uh, affiliation with the brand, I am just simply paying my respect uh, in using their product. And that goes for anything that I cover in this broadcast, or any uh, restaurant that I cite or shout out. Um, So yeah, starting with my takeouts we went to a place called sesame inn uh if you're familiar with the pittsburgh area it is right off of mcknight road down uh if you make the left past the get-go on mcknight uh, right across from the mall uh, ross park mall so um if you're not familiar with that area yeah you're you're not gonna know this but it is very good chinese food i'm shouting out to sesame inn uh, right up the hill on mcknight road You're going to drive up the hill and think you're going to drive into a Toyota dealership. And shout out to Toyota as well, because that was my previous car. But um, yeah, there's going to be an amazing Chinese restaurant. It's kind of similar. Uh, It's a very, you know, sit down kind of half fancy uh, establishment, but you can also take out food. And um, yeah, so while I'm talking Chinese food... (laughs) probably has more oil than I need but usually when I repurpose food I often coat the pan with just a little bit of olive oil and I use olive oil to try and escape from you know using butter um, because I feel like olive oil kind of gives you the same satisfaction the butter gives you when you want to you know get that golden brown on something like I've used I've used olive oil in um when I make grilled cheese or when I make quesadillas to kind of get that golden brown on it when most people would use butter um to try and you know pan fry up their uh, their dish but I added just a little bit of oil to the pan and just to coat it but as I'm going to quickly realize the food that I got is called the amazing chicken and it's kind of similar to like a general so's or a sesame chicken or an orange chicken dish where um, it's got that same kind of base sauce and it's just like a pan fried chicken uh, but when I had it yesterday I, I could already tell that um, you know I don't need to add any more oil to this but I'm simply just coating the pan so that uh, nothing sticks right away And then he got, like I said, he got some sort of tofu dish. So that's gonna be added on into it. And what I like to do when I repurpose dishes actually, um, if I didn't clarify before, let's see, today I'm making a repurposed amazing chicken dish, not to take from their title, but it it, uh, it is what it is. I'm repurposing the amazing chicken dish um, basically, into like a a Chinese bowl, pretty much, if I really wanted to be creative, I could chop all this up and throw it in a burrito, but that's just adding excess carbs and there's already enough oil in here to uh to start a war, so I don't need to add anything further to it but um yeah a little a little tip if you ever want to repurpose your food, what I often find is to get over the fact that especially since this was fried chicken before it's not going to have that crispiness to it um i often find that you kind of use the batter more in the in the crispiness of the rice rather than the uh to keep it on the chicken and you actually chop up the chicken to kind of because um, you know when you get like uh general sows or something they're usually in big chunks, but if you kind of chop it into the rice and mix it with the vegetables, and kind of create this like almost soup consistency uh, where everything's piecey, I think that uh, that's the best way to repurpose it. So if uh, if my microphone gets a little uh, gets a little um, staticky or or just a lot of noise is going on, I am cooking and I am experimenting with this platform. So this might not be the uh, this might not be included in the future or obviously we might set it up a little differently where we'll have like a video crew or something, but yes, I am currently cooking or repurposing my Chinese food in my kitchen. On the left of me, or on the left of the burner is a a pot of boiling water, which I'm about to make some coffee with and hopefully put a little kick into this uh, podcast because I can already tell that my voice is kind of sounding droning, and um, probably the only action in this podcast is me just shuffling around kitchen equipment. But so the water is starting to boil, so I'm going to talk a little bit about this coffee I got. Now I want to send another shout-out to Keeping It Glassy, also on McKnight Road. Um, And uh, Keeping It Glassy is kind of... uh, it's close to me but it's my uh my local glass and wellness center and what i tell the dude every time i go what i tell the guy every time i go in there is that uh their cbd selection actually increases in size every time i go in there so um if i hadn't mentioned more clearly on different podcasts uh, i'm actually trying to work in the cannabis field and I do uh, try and look for, um, you know, different products to just kind of try and sample. And um, one of the brands that I've really had a lot of good luck with, and again, I'm not affiliated with them. I just want to send a general shout out to them um, and a shout out to Keeping It Glassy on McKnight Road. It's a, uh, a glass and wellness center, but um, if glass is not your type of thing, just keep your, ear, or keep your eyes to the right and there's a whole bunch of cbd kratom uh just different products that you know help for general wellness uh pain alleviation uh cbd obviously uh, you know you could t- you could google cbd and it'll tell you um all the benefits that have been coming out about it but uh but sorry i'm kind of distracted in cooking here but um but yeah i wanted to uh Shout out to this brand, Green Roads. I believe they are a... Uh, if Let's look on here. I believe they are a company... Well, it says made in the U.S., manufactured by Green Roads in Davie, Florida. But what I was told initially was that Green Road actually started in Colorado. And um, my first experience with them was I had a... A vaporizer cartridge um, that was a uh, it was a CBD vaporizer cartridge that was infused with uh, different terpenes and if, if for those of you that don't or aren't not familiar with the cannabis plant terpenes are uh, chemical compounds found not only within cannabis but within uh, different plants different fruits that kind of give those either flavor profiles or smell profiles or even color profiles so um, for example, lemonine is, uh, is found in some cannabis strains that, you know, ob- obviously give that more of a citrusy or, or a lemony, piney kind of scent, and um, lemonine is also obviously found in lemons and kind of gives that like zesty, citrusy uh, smell kick and just tang, overall taste to, uh, to lemons and so terpenes can be isolated and uh added to different things for you know food food purposes for um they actually can be helpful uh in like um they've been used in essential oils uh some people use them in diffusers so that they can you know clear up sinuses i'm trying to check my food here while i'm talking uh clear up sinuses um but just you know many many different uses for terpenes but um one of the uh one of the biggest things you know aside from terpenes has been coming out is just general general cbd products and um you know and they've been marketing for pain for uh, pain relief for um a sleep aid for anxiety relief for just numerous amounts of things um so one one product that i tried from from green roads getting to the point here because i know i'll get lost i've got I got two things on the burner and and I've got a bunch of things that I want to talk about so uh yeah, I know that uh this podcast is gonna be all over the place, but let's try and st- or I'm gonna try and stick on on one page so with this cBD coffee actually I wanted to try it out now the guy at the store said that um the uh the coffee itself that they use is excellent so it's like in his quotes he said it's gonna spoil you because. Uh, the coffee itself is so good, and then on top of it, you're adding the c b d factor which um creates this sort of synergy and In my own personal experience with mixing um c b d and coffee uh I find that actually c b d and chocolate and then c b d and coffee are the two mex or two best uh synergistic blends for when you're kind of um you want to have the pain relief or you want to have the anxiety relief of c b d um, but you don't necessarily want to be sleepy or kind of groggy. And so uh, mixing it with coffee or chocolate, like kind of an, a stimulant, can uh, can help counteract that. And so I actually have not tried this coffee, and I was really curious. Um, it says total amount of CBD is 60 milligrams. The aroma is a caramel, chocolate, and vanilla aroma. The body is smooth. The acidity is medium. And the region is... Caldas Columbia so it's Colombian coffee and I think from my experience Colombian has been some of my favorite um but yeah this was just a little sampler pack again the brand is Green Roads I believe they're from Colorado but I've seen them in almost every every shop where they have you know CBD widely available which most of the times it's your your traditional smoker uh, or glass shop but uh you know, gas stations, uh other places have been have been selling uh different C B D products. So go check out, you know, which one works for you. But I've found specifically that um not in an affiliated way, not yet, but Green Roads has worked the best for me. So I'm going to pour some of their coffee and maybe give a little bit of a review on it, even though that's not really what this podcast is about. Um I just think that in order, you know, to give them honest feedback. I think there's no harm in doing that. But let's uh, let's check on my repurposed chicken because I kind of forgot about it while we uh, went on that side trance. So I actually put a lid on it um, because when you're repurposing things, sometimes you want to slow cook it. Um, and like I said, I try to avoid the microwave. So when I do repurpose, uh, I try to bring, bring whatever food that I have left over, um, back to the pan and try and, um, you know, make it, make it edible in a different way. So, um, with this dish, for example, it's actually a combination of two dishes. It is my buddy's vegetarian dish, which was some type of tofu dish and, and just another, um, Another thing that I've found you know it doesn't have to apply to your life by any means, but something interesting that i've that I've taken on recently that might um help some people out there is and this is ironic because I'm you know probably eating which is essentially the most American Chinese food that you can ever imagine but um is to not necessarily feel bad about eating meat. Um, and I'm not trying to persuade, you know, I'm not trying to get on vegans or get on vegetarians or I'm not trying to persuade anyone to do anything really. I just said, or I'm just saying for my life, I've kind of had a healthier relationship with eating meat in the sense that one, I only eat it when I know it's going to be good. <laughs> because when I went to school, what I noticed was that. Um, people that have meat-heavy diets or people that have meat-regular diets, they don't always take into account the quality of their meat. And like anything, um, I think more people are in tune with the quality of their vegetables and with the quality of their fruit and with other with other foods because, um, you know, you see people buying either organic or... Um, organic or or grass-fed or vegan friendly or whatever whatever gluten-free but at the end of the day they're going to mcdonald's and getting a cheeseburger or their their source of meat is always kind of subpar you know what i mean and for me what actually turned me off to this idea of kind of only or eating meat as a as just a source of protein not only eating it when it's good or when it's uh you know, when it's served you properly, um, was when I was at school, and I was just eating meat, and you know, cafeteria, kind of, uh, a lot of processed, a lot of just frozen, packaged, and uh, and, yeah, I'm gonna say processed again, but processed meat. Um, Yeah, I haven't had the coffee yet, as you can tell. But, uh, and so what I've kind of transitioned to doing is is being more vegetarian and vegan friendly, as in not always including meat into my diet as a necessity, as more of a delicacy, if that makes sense. So kind of just respecting that there are other diets out there and trying all different foods. And uh, the prime example of this, which will kind of tie this story in, because I know it sounds a little confusing at first. Um, Again, I hope this coffee will help because (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, is I've been trying veggie burgers, and not because I'm trying to cut meat out of my diet necessarily, but because I actually find the taste of veggie burgers, um, specifically like black bean burgers. I really like black bean burgers, but I'm down to try any, any kind of like soy or vegetarian burger, as long as it tastes good. But, um, black bean burgers and specifically, I actually find not just to substitute meat, but just for taste purposes, it's, it's just as good as getting a burger and I found this out because I asked my friend who's, who's vegetarian and he went to this um, well-known burger joint here Hello, podcasters, and welcome back to the Early 20s Overthinker. I'm your host, Dustin, and I apologize for ending the transmission a little early on the last segment, which I was going <laughs> to include uh, or make the segment bigger initially, but uh, what had happened was, at towards the end of the recording, which I'll probably cut out the, um, the silence so that it's not awkward for my listeners, but uh, right around... Uh, 20 minutes or so, I noticed that my roommate had come home, and um, it's not that I necessarily am ashamed that I'm podcasting, it's just I'm more on the modest, kind of shy side, so when he came in the door, I, uh, you know, I quickly just shut everything off just to kind of, okay, well, let me take it as a sign that uh, I can kind of, you know, take a break and reformulate my thoughts, because... Uh, pre pre coffee podcast which by the way i 'll get into that in a minute uh, pre coffee podcast was a little bit rougher um, and even now i 'm finding that uh that i've had a couple of times where um, I have a lapse in thoughts and I have to um, you know pause the podcast and and start over or keep what I had originally and just um, take a small break and you know, regroup and go on, uh, which is kind of disappointing because in my first podcast, I was able to hit a flow state where I was talking for an hour, and then I looked down and I was like, "Holy shit!" I uh, I didn't even realize that it stopped recording, and I I went 10 minutes over um, of un you know with unrecorded material. So um, yeah, but I'm trying to maybe. Uh, maybe stick to taking breaks every now and again so that the podcast is a little bit easier to listen to because I find that when you take those small breaks, even if it is for a couple minutes, that, uh, that coming back to your podcast, you know, you're, you're more reset, you're, your thoughts are more in line with what you want to say. And um, obviously your, your points will be clearer and, and the overall message of the, uh, of the podcast won't be jumbled. But that being said, uh, since I am kind of, you know, a little bit scatterbrained in general, um, I actually decided to move this podcast outside. And I did that because I looked outside, I checked the weather, and I forgot to realize that it is 50 55 degrees outside. And this is shorts weather in Pittsburgh. So I threw on my speedo, you know, got out the door and... I am excavating the same exact um, hillside that I did on my first nature podcast, and um, for the beginning of this, or well, I already recorded the first segment, so for the second, beginning of the second segment, we're going to continue, I'm going to continue on what I was talking about in the first segment, just just briefly go over what I like to cook, uh, what experimental styles that I've um, picked up and uh and how you know how they've attributed to my uh to my cooking skills I should say yeah I've got skills I've got cooking skills so um but no, I'm I'm totally kidding I uh, I'm not cocky about it but I do love to cook and I feel like um as I mentioned before the inspiration for this comes from a, it's, it's, it was sort of like done in the style of a podcast, but it was called uh, Binging with Babish. And it's where the host actually goes and pulls a lot of, you know, recipes from pop culture, whether it be like TV shows or just uh, movies, whatever, and he tries to recreate them. Now, obviously, he has a more upscale kitchen. He has, um, I think he probably has some sort of culinary experience, uh, you know from From school or from university, um, so mine is not that well established. However, um, I feel like I want to pull legitimate things that I do in my life into this podcast and not just try and recreate myself you know for the for the essence of the show or for the for the branding of this of this podcast. so I want to keep it real and I want to keep it genuine so Um, things that I bring into this podcast are, are legit. Um, I love to cook and I, uh, I feel like I have kind of a unique style. I, I mix some things that, that people are like, what, where, you know, why would you mix that? Or, uh, you're not supposed to mix those things. You know what I mean? Or like, why would that go good with that? Or, um, or (laughs) you, here's the other one, which, you know, again, don't take me too seriously on this one, but. You're a white boy, so why are you cooking all these, you know, cultural dishes? And you don't, you're not cooking like cheeseburgers and hamburgers and stuff, which is again, like, that's a funny, you know, racial epithet. It's not a, obviously not, uh, steered towards anything harmful. Um, but I feel like, given my travel experiences, and I'll, uh, I'll touch a little bit on those when I talk about some recipes too. Um, but I feel like my travel experiences. And just overall, uh, experiences with, with food and culture in general have, uh, have really built my, um, my appetite, pun, pun intended there. Uh, yeah, you guys are going to hate me after this one. You might as well just turn off the podcast after that one. But no, it has, uh, it has stimulated my appetite for cooking. And I always uh, try to incorporate as many things into my cooking... Um, Although I will say, and you know, uh, you can say whatever you want about this, but I'm not a big fan of fish food or seafood. And which is, that is super weird because I am originally from Monterey, California. And Monterey happens to be one of the best places to get fish, not only in the country, but in the world. Um, because the fish comes right off the boat, uh, right, you know, in the Monterey Bay Harbor. And um, it is sold all around the world as some of the you know freshest uh, high quality seafood And, and so uh, I was always made fun of growing up because I would you know kind of wince at, at trying seafood, and then when I tried it, I didn't like it or I'd, I'd gag or whatever. Um, but I just you know to this day i've uh, I've expanded my my palate tremendously, and in the first episode. I talked about how we went uh, me and my friend went to a Chinese restaurant. he got a vegetarian dish, and I got a obviously <laughs> a very americanized meat based dish uh you know basically general so chicken but uh but a little bit different and um and actually uh what I was talking about before where that kind of plays into the this new diet that i've been or not not specific diet but type of dieting that I've been experimenting with where I only eat meat uh, when you know when it 's appropriate to eat meat. Uh, a lot of people eat meat when you know when they want to have a source of protein and for me um, i I get my protein in different ways for the majority of time. but if I go out somewhere and the signature item is something meat based then obviously i won 't stray away from it if i 'm in the mood uh, but I talked about a little bit towards the end of that podcast where I've been trying more vegetarian options, not to escape from meat, but just to incorporate them into my taste or into my palate. And I feel like the more dishes that you do that with, um, even if they're, you know, meant, well, I mean you can use the term meant, but uh I feel like that's a little loose. But if they're meant for more of a vegan or vegetarian-friendly crowd, um, there's no harm in trying them out just to expand your flavor profile or um i guess just your you know i feel like i have one of those very um try everything once kind of personality uh obviously there's certain there's certain uh, exceptions to that there's certain areas i won't go into but uh i i believe with cooking that it is almost disrespectful to the art um, if you if you do cook and you don't try to experiment or you don't try things at least once because how are you going to form a more logical opinion on what you eat or a more uh, valid opinion on what you eat if you only keep your eating options to a very limited uh, source of... You know, like, when I was a kid, I was picky as hell and I would only eat macaroni. I wouldn't even eat hamburgers when I was a kid. Like, I really... Um, we'd go to McDonald's and I would just eat the fries or when they did breakfast, I would do, uh, you know, I would do, um, the pancakes and the, their hash browns are to this day are bomb. Like, I don't, I don't eat McDonald's anymore, but their hash browns are crazy. Uh, or, or their McGriddle, which, uh, like, if you ever, uh, want to temporarily experience coronary heart disease, go and eat yourself a McGriddle because it is the... The best and worst thing that the that this world has to offer, <laughs> but I um, yeah I was a really picky kid. I uh, I grew up right on the bay, you know, where some of the freshest seafood is is caught that day and shipped all around the world, and um, and yet I to this day I don't like seafood. Um, so uh, yeah, like I I kind of I feel like I transitioned. Um, and again, I'm, you know, I'm a little scatterbrained, so I like to connect things in my life. I feel like I've transitioned in a lot of ways. Uh, socially is one of them, where I was more antisocial, and um, or again, here's here's a weird thing with definitions. So my sister actually told me, believe it or not, that antisocial is the wrong terminology for it. Antisocial means that you're anti-social you know, situation, or anti-like, um, kind of like anti-socialism, pretty much. So, like, an example of anti-socialism would be anarchy. You, you, um, you don't accept the, the social norm that we have, or, or like a counterculture, you know, something like that. But asocial is actually, um, the correct terminology and I mean again someone someone can send me the the legitimacy because I I truly don't know um but I've heard the asocial is actually what's used to describe people that are more you know the original term for antisocial like people that are more shy by nature that don't um don't like to include themselves in big groups or like to obviously more reserved uh, type b personality but, so, I've, I've kind of transitioned in a lot of those ways where um, I was more A or antisocial, and then I started to uh, emerge from my, from my uh, what is that called, cocoon? Yeah, using the butterfly metaphor. Emerge from my cocoon into a social butterfly. No, not really. I, I'm still very antisocial by nature. I just, um, I found ways around it, kind of to, to cheat around it, um, and ironically, I'm using that right now because I feel like podcasting is a very social platform, and yet I'm very a by nature. So it is kind of ironic that I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, I'm again. There's like ten points going on in my head. Uh, I'll try to dial it back down. I uh, so I transitioned, you know, from a little asocial to social, but also my acceptance for diet has kind of come along in the same way, where I used to be very picky, and I come from a very picky family, um, you know, people that kind of look at foods before they eat them, and uh, I've transitioned out of that where, again, the only foods that I, I really don't like still are seafood, um, but my friend, being a vegetarian, um, has opened me to the possibility of, of how how good you can really make you know, non not or non-meat dishes uh, taste, and so I've expanded um, my palate to pretty much accept any any, any sort of vegetarian dish. Um, I don't look at him, I don't frown upon any sort of vegetarian dish anymore. I'll uh, I'll give it a go. And a little bit of background, my uh, my friend's Indian actually, so he uh, there's a very cultural reason for why most of his dishes are vegetarian and um, that's not to say that there's still, you know, anyone that cooks out there knows that it's not necessarily what you cook with, it's it's the love that you put into it, and for me, it's very much in line with, with how I feel about music and my, my kind of ear for music, where I accept all forms of music, kind of like I accept all forms of cooking, however, there's just some music and there's just some foods that I still won't eat just because, you know, they don't appeal to me personally. And that's okay. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to change just because a certain amount of people love fish or uh, seafood. And um, you don't have to change your palate. You don't have to pretend to like it just because, uh, you know, seafood is one of those, um, depending on the region especially, is one of those very popular uh, dishes to mess around with, especially in the culinary sense, but, um, yeah, for me, I, I still, I still feel like, especially um, becoming friends with a vegetarian, you know, you know how those people can be, no, I'm just totally kidding, totally kidding, but um, in coming becoming friends with a vegetarian, you kind of, you kind of adapt those traits into your own, um, into your own life, and, or I did anyway, so I'm not saying, you know, everyone does, but uh, I did, and I found that I've, you know, I've expanded my palate tremendously, but I've also kept to the the trueness of how I eat, and I haven't, you know, gone too far away from um, from my, my general eating habits, I guess, and uh and it's, it just sort of plays to the, the general evolution card, you know, like um, the best way to obviously improve anything in your life is to just take on more second opinions or take on more things that you would normally find uncomfortable and evolve and, you know, just evolve and adapt. I mean, those are both very similar words. I'm probably just repeating myself at the end of the day, but... Um, evolve and adapt aspects of your life as you would your diet or apply that method to your diet. But yeah, so I'm, again, I'm getting a little bit lost here. Um, I'm looking at a series of fallen trees and I'm trying to come up with points on the spot. But I really am trying not to restart this podcast as I did earlier. So... We're going to see how long I can go with this, and we'll see how long that uh, that CBD caffeine, shout out to Green Roads, will stay um, potent in my system, and hopefully this podcast isn't a complete bust. But, so yeah, I uh, there's a couple of spices, trademark spices that I love to cook with. Um, I love to cook with white pepper, uh, or white peppercorn, um, oregano, now... I went to this place one time, uh, it's a second-hand store, and um, I was able to find this, it was like branded as Greek oregano, and what I've actually found, I don't know if if you can, you know, go to one of the, I guess one of the more modern grocery stores and pick up uh, different types of oregano, whether it be fresh or dried, but um, I picked up some dried Greek oregano, and it was phenomenal. The fragrance on it is absolutely insane. And For those of you who are fans of using oregano in your cooking, um, I think Greek oregano has a little bit more fragrance to it, so uh, I kind of tend to overdo it. Um, I put oregano, especially in my Italian-based dishes, my pasta sauces, my, uh, um, I make ravioli. Well, I don't hand-make raviolis, but I make the, the sauce for it. Um, and I'll throw in oregano almost to excess, um, instead of the other or the traditional Italian spice where it's just a blend. I will mix, um, heavy on the oregano, kind of, kind of medium on the basil, um, and then very light on thyme, uh, T-H-Y-M-E, not T-I-M-E, for those of you, uh, getting confused, not i am sure everyone knows what time is but uh but yeah i uh i try to stray away from the uh from the you know tradition or the italian mix and, and try to add my own portions of of each herb um but yeah it's two each is, uh, cooking really is 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 an art form because it's kind of like um i feel like good cooks are still uh, even the best cooks still have a bias with, you know, obviously what they like, and it's going to show in how they cook. And for me, I cook—I can—I have the ability to cook um, lightly. And what I mean by that is, you know, for those people who don't like things over-seasoned or don't like things seasoned too much— um, and I we I jokingly make fun of those people as very bland, because uh, I don't understand why— um, why you wouldn't want spices and, you know, character and, and meaning into your food, but it's a joke anyway. I mean, some people are, obviously people are different with palates. Um, but I feel like when I cook, um, I try to break people out of that, you know, ah, this is too spicy. Ah, this is too herby. Like I really like to, uh, almost like flirt with overdoing it pretty much. Um, when it comes to adding spices and, and you know, herbs, depending on the dish, too. Like, some things, obviously, if it's meant to be more spicy, um, then I'll add more accordingly. And a specific example, because I'm thinking about it now, so back in my, my college heyday, you know, um, only a couple years ago, I actually took a very, I wouldn't say basic, but, um, you know, very common... Spring break trip, and yes, we did do Florida, but that was not our first stop. Um, our first stop in this spring break extravaganza was New Orleans. And for anyone who's been to New Orleans, I don't even have to tell you about it. You already, you already know. It's like, it's like Vegas. You know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's the same with New Orleans. Like, it's a whole different world out there. Um, one of the famous the famous line one-liners I've I've ever or I'll ever remember from going to New Orleans was, we went into a bar, and it was actually, the Coyote Bar or Coyote Ugly, um, which I remembered from the movie. Uh, way back in the day, I, I think it's got uh, John Goodman, um, Tyra Banks, the uh, the model, and she was in uh, America's Next Top Model. She was one of the hosts on that. Ooh, everyone knows Tyra Banks, I, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the movie Coyote Ugly, there's an actual bar like that in New Orleans. So shout out to that. But most famous one-liner from my trip to New Orleans was, um, we were in the bar and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we were just bar hopping and we're like, we'll, we'll come back to this bar right before two. Because obviously if, if you live in anywhere other than a, a certain amount of states or, or places, every bar closes at 2 p.m., or 2 a.m., excuse me and um so we were like yeah you know we're just we're going to a bunch of bars this is our first time in new orleans we'll be back and she looks at the bartender looks at us and she's like oh honey the bars don't close in new orleans you can come back at any time and so at this point it was like "Mm, maybe bordering one o'clock in the morning and we were like yeah we shit we don't even know how many bars we're gonna get to you know because if everything closes at two and, shit you not, the first bar we go into, they, they say that, um, or they told us that every bar in New Orleans was uh, was open all night. Or I think, I think they shut down at like 5, you know, obviously, so they can clean shit up and then start the day again. But, yeah, like, no shit in New Orleans. It's, it's, it's very Vegas-like where it's just a whole different world. So, uh, tying it back to cooking, though... I went to New Orleans and it wasn't just about the drinking because I'm gonna gonna do this disclaimer, um, not to make myself stand out, like the person who doesn't drink alcohol, like I I drink, you know, every, I feel like um, alcohol in the right circumstances is not a harmful drug or substance. But when, um, obviously when you overdo it or when, you know, it's used in the wrong way, um, it can be severely harmful, and that 's kind of why i've uh, i 've shifted more of my you know my interest into cannabis um, in terms of you know, just the positivity and and less uh, obviously less physical side effects and more social side effects than alcohol but um, Nevertheless, I did go through my you know traditional college drinking phase and um I guess the philosophy I have with alcohol is that the reason I keep it in my life is not as a, you know, the whole, the common saying like, uh, if you need alcohol to party, then obviously, um, that's a problem because you know you don't know how to, you don't know how to party or you, or you don't know how to have a good time without it. Now, for me, I've found that my relationship with alcohol has always been. Um, not strong, but has always been there just because of the situations that happen when, when I drink or when my friends drink or when we drink together. And it's not like the most crazy shit ever happens. It's that um, an example, one of the things that brings me back to drinking is that in times that, that I have drinking, it always seems like those, those problems that, um, that you encounter when drinking always uh full circle and solve themselves and what i mean by that is like for instance i went out drinking one night and i was texting someone and and you know this if, if you're a drinker you know if you drink socially um when you when you try to go out and meet up with someone and you're both drinking and then at some point in the night like you never you never reconnect with them you never find them or you never uh there's just there comes a certain point where you both stop looking at your phones and you're like, "Oh shit, we should have hung out, but we were both, you know, getting getting sloshed." So, um, oh, I almost fell there. Yeah. Little disclaimer, again, I'm outside, so if I do fall, um, I want to take a picture of this for the for the opening credit. Um, but if I do fall, yeah. Uh Let's say uh, I've been I've been experimenting, I guess, more with the dangerous uh with the dangerous podcasting, you know, with the car, with the car cast and the in uh, the nature cast. But um next time I will do a uh we'll do an armed robbery podcast i think that uh I think that platform will be the uh the absolute you know game changer that will give me a bunch of listeners <laughs> anyway so going back to alcohol like i uh I always found that those people that you i re, i would you know lose connection with on the phone I would always run into at some point in the night when I was drinking so like We'd be out drinking. I'd be like, "Oh shit! I guess I guess I won't see them tonight." You know, even though we were supposed to, we were supposed to meet up. And then all of a sudden, we'd be at a bar, and I'd walk past that person that I was talking to earlier, and be like, "Oh shit, we're here. Let's you know, let's hang out." Well, you know, it all worked out. So, and I'm I'm just mentioning a specific example, but if you kind of ma- imagine like the scenario where things work out, like that's just the the general statement for that scenario, like where things just full circle themselves out and, um, and problems get resolved right away. So with alcohol, I've, I've had, I've encountered many of those experiment or, um, excuse me, not experiments. I've encountered many of those situations and that's why I continue to, uh, drink at a, you know, moderately, uh, passionate level, but not a, not a damaging level uh, yet anyways, <laughs> but um, oh and obviously i I drank a lot more in college, and now that I'm outside of college i uh, I've changed my again back to these maybe uh, we can we can use this as the main theme for our or for this podcast and I, I keep saying we again i I'm, I'm gonna get over that one day, but uh i'm gonna uh, but the thing I was gonna say is that I think the theme for this podcast could be to evolve and adapt things in your life that, um, you know, that obviously with, with time, um, are supposed to change, and if they don't change, then you're just going to be the same person over and over again. That's a very general message, I know, but I mean, it's just, it's the guiding theme in these, but, uh, so along with my social and my culinary, also my relationship with alcohol has evolved to where you know, I was the typical college drinker. I would drink on the weekends um, or sometimes throughout the week, weekdays, depending on how stressful or how many assignments I had due. But um, overall, my, my uh, relationship with alcohol has evolved to where it's kind of like a, uh, it's more of a palate thing now where I'll go out and I'll explore different types of craft beers and I know people are like, "Oh, so you like IPAs, huh?" Well, not exactly. I'm not I'm not really in I'm I'm kind of like a hipster, you know, like I'm a self-declared hipster. I don't I don't like the I <laughs> this make me sound like an asshole to the people in these countercultures, but I'm a uh, I am i don't like to follow the countercultural aspect of of certain things, for example, like um you know, how the, the guy with the mustache and the, you know, the, the kombucha on his side is in, in drinking an IPA type of, type of vibe. Like I don't consider myself one of those people, but I also don't hate on those people. So how about that? Like I have a very accepting nature to, um, I have a very accepting nature towards most, uh, you know, most countercultures or most cultures in general, but, um, I don't consider myself one of those, you know, IPA-only types of dudes. I really, um, I just like to drink beer if it, you know, if it tastes good. And I like to sample um, different types of beer, kind of like in the sense of I would like to sample uh, culinary. And that's why I kind of correlated the two or correlated all my thoughts here is because um, I find that they're, they're interrelated. And, well, the main... Inner relation is me, but uh, but I feel like they all kind of have you know that connection to to the evolution of my life and just you know the aspects that are the uh, are the forefront of what of what has allowed me to evolve and adapt as a person. And they start with you know they start with my social um, attitude, my culinary uh, acceptance, and then also my relationship with alcohol or, or other substances. Um, but they're all interrelated because I think they all play to this sort of bonding that we have with other humans. So for instance, you know, it's more common to go get a beer with a buddy, but if you go and drink by yourself, you're kind of considered a loner or or someone that um, Yeah you know, or like the the lone drinker I drink alone by uh, by George Thorogood. But uh yeah it's it's just kind of like um, I feel like some of these basic you know basic things that that we, that we look past uh, in our life can somehow, or can sometimes be the, the contributing factors to how we how we change and how we adapt. And again, this is all sounding very you know very basic common knowledge, but I guess it's just I'm. I'm trying to reiterate the point of of why I'm bringing it up, and the point of it all is, is um if I can if I can find a point. No, I'm just kidding. The point of it all is that uh, sometimes we lack an origin, which is ironic because humans in general we have this need and desire to to have an origin, um, you know, because we don't. Truly know where we come from. We don't truly know the circumstances of our origin. So those types of um, those types of aspects of origin kind of either make or break us as humans because we uh, we don't necessarily. Or sometimes we take for granted those those smaller aspects in our life that really led to monumental changes in how we and how we adapt and evolved, And I, I keep overusing those words. Like I, feel like, I feel like I'm just rambling and preaching. And I hope I'm not. I really hope that there was some point in this, in this podcast where someone was like, okay, I get it. Um, because, you know, again, I'm doing this by myself. So when I have guests on the podcast, obviously um, my messages will be a little bit more clearer. My topics will be a little bit more Outlined and I'll have more structure, but for right now, um, I like using the Scooby Doo metaphor where even though you plan it a certain way and it doesn't go out that way, but it full circles and comes back um, and works out in the end. For those of you who haven't seen Scooby Doo, basically in almost every episode, and shout out to Scooby Doo, shout out to Hanna Barber, all that, Um, but in Scooby-Doo, basically, uh, they try to formulate a plot to catch the bad guy, and Shaggy and Scooby, uh, the dog and, and the and the stoner of the group, are uh, <laughs> well, no, the uh, he, Shaggy's kind of the ditzy character. He's the, he represents like the you know the ditzy or like the stoner kind of like uh, what's it called that um, I, I can't think of the archetype for it but they i I guess i would say both of them combined like scooby and and shaggy combined represents like a joker archetype because they don't take things seriously but here's the the funny part of the of the moral of the story and they kind of all end the same way where it's like they formulate a plot to catch the bad guy and then the plot doesn't end up working out or i'm sorry the plot doesn't go as planned but um in the end everything works out anyways because there was still a plot and it, it's kind of like whew, going back into um pop culture uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was Back to the Future and um, if you know anything with the kind of pop culture style of time travel and how they build it up how they build up the theories of time travel um, it's kind of like the concept of when you travel back in time you could change the circumstances but most of the time the result will always be the same uh, kind of like the butterfly but well the butterfly effect is a little different where like um, the origin of that was where if you step on a butterfly um, or if you if you make such an insignificant change to the timeline such as stepping on a butterfly that butterfly was supposed to infect a village which was supposed to do this which was supposed to do that so it's like a small ripple in the pond can lead to drastic changes in the timeline, and you know, cause an alternative future. And that's, you know, and, and time travel is one of my favorite things. We will probably get into this because I'm a huge nerd about it um, in other podcasts. But uh, I love that theory where like it's very Scooby-Doo-esque or very, very time travel-esque or very human nature-esque, and I kind of, I kind of live by that. Um, it's almost like, yeah, have a plan. Don't, don't not have a plan. Yeah, have a plan. Have a plan for your life. Don't, um, don't go unprepared with most things because when you go unprepared completely, it kind, of, uh, it kind of shows more of a lack of seriousness or a lack of attention to whatever you're doing or attention to detail. So have a plan. That's like Scooby-Doo, they have a plan try to execute your plan. If it doesn't work out, don't lose hope in the whole execution because what I've found that, and maybe my life just kind of plays to Scooby-Doo because I watched it growing up (laughs) so much, but, um, but I've always found in my life that even having a plan, I don't commit to it fully, but I have it in the back of my head and then Although the plan never like for me, I, I stopped planning. I, I, I consider myself a little bit pessimistic in this in this sense, but, but bear with me. So I stopped I stopped being a planner for a while and just just in general because um I got I got disappointed when when plans obviously wouldn't work out. And who doesn't, you know? When they go to plan something and it doesn't work out, and, you know it's it's pretty uh disappointing or heartbreaking depending on the severity of the circumstance and so I kind of pessimistically stopped planning and um, really just tried to take that go with the flow you know wake up each day as, as normal kind of, uh, kind of approach to my day but then I, I started to reflect and realize that if you don't have that plan you are going to go in unprepared because you're kind of expecting the day to take you and not you to seize the day so famous saying carpe diem seize the day for those people who don't go in with a plan at all they're actually allowing the day to seize them and that's kind of counter counter counterintuitive or counterproductive but um again kind of playing back to the to the scooby-doo reference i feel like having that plan is like a loose structure or is like a loose um what is it? Uh, guidelines. Yeah, I, I I used the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean reference. Uh, uh, I forgot what circumstance I used it in, but like the guidelines for the for the parlay. Um, I, I'm sure everyone sees Pirates of the Caribbean first one, but you know when they talk about parlay and uh, the pirate code and how uh, if you say parlay, they have to t- take you to the captain instead of you know throw you off the ship or whatever the hell they do and uh i i use that term like guidelines very meme meme like because uh that that little that little uh phrase can be applied to almost anything when you, when you think about it like the whole guidelines like uh just basically anything that you're trying to get out of you know calling rules or calling official law or or anything it's they're more they're more guidelines but but yeah i mean so have have that kind of um, have that plan as like a guideline and take it serious on paper, but don't take it serious with the execution as much. Or, I mean, this is, again, this is what I've done, you know, this is a podcast, it's it's all pretty much my opinion, I, you know, I'm the only one on here. So if you, if you find this, like, I, I disagree with that. Well, all right, you disagree with it, that's cool. Um, I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm just saying this is the way that I've... Um, I've found a little bit more internal peace in my life. And um, if it works for, you know, other people my age or my situation, then perfect. But uh, other people I know, especially a lot of my friends, I'm not going to mention by name, but uh, they like to have more of a plan. They're a little bit more or they are extremely plan-orientated and detail-orientated. And that is completely fine, too. Um, I've always just considered... uh, and speaking to those people like myself who are very go with the flow that um, yeah just having, having a plan in the back of your head but when you come to the execution don't take it as seriously because the more seriously you take it obviously the more disappointed you will be when the plan doesn't go according and how many of you people have had plans by a show of hands um, I'm looking around the forest for, for a bunch of hands to raise up right now but by a show of hands how many people have uh had plans that have not gone through it, um to the way that they would have liked and you know how common is that it's it's almost a daily occurrence for people so um but yeah that's kind of the motto uh i think the guiding message if i can wrap this all into one was that uh me personally i'm kind of reflecting on smaller aspects of my life that uh that led to my, you know, kind of total evolution as a uh as a human. And, you know, that sounds a little corny, but <laughs> my total evolution as a human and it starts off with uh my drinking. No. It starts off with uh you know, how I change my social, how I interact with people. And then that, and then it um Then it went towards how I changed my eating habits, not necessarily for health reasons, but just for more acceptance, more gaining more of a cultural perspective on how people cook, um, and also tying it into how and why I cook. And and then also um, my relationship with alcohol and uh, how I used to go from, you know, being a common party drinker uh, or college drinker to uh, obviously toning that down and, sort of connecting my passion for beer and passion for alcohol to kind of my passion for cooking and and culinary, uh, the culinary arts and treating it in that same manner. Um, but getting back, I think the point that I was, that I was uh, making before was, uh, was with New Orleans and that New Orleans story was supposed to, um, segue into, into why I, uh, it was actually a specific dish that i that I learned to make, and it wasn 't like you know something I picked up in new orleans i didn 't get uh, someone to teach me it from there. However, I got the inspiration of when I was in New Orleans to make my own uh, red beans and rice dish so uh, yeah, I think the the bigger message with that one or with that little story would to be like when you go and travel places. Take a look at the take a look at the culture not only in the uh, in the social like the social culture but also the um, also the culinary, and New Orleans is known as kind of like very Vegas where it's you know big party town big drinking, ex- exceptionally big drinking town, like almost to the point where it's ridiculous. Like, um, but what people forget is that Creole, you know, or uh, that that style of cooking, is some of the best cooking in the world. And this is coming from someone who doesn't eat seafood, and I'm saying that you know a very seafood-based, uh, based diet or culinary uh, region is, is when it comes to having food. And so some of the dishes I tried when I was down there, I actually, the exception to me not liking seafood is I do occasionally like fried calamari because anything fried is good. So I give fried squid, you know, fried calamari a go every now and again, and. I had um a po boy down there with with uh added calamari on it and it was incredible. And I don't normally eat seafood and I still agree that it was it's it's that little it's that little fishy taste, you know. For me my argument with not liking seafood and I I use this against people who love it jokingly obviously, but I'm like if it has that taste, you know, literally like when you eat chicken you don't say oh it has that chicken taste that I try to cook out of it, you know but even seafood people that eat seafood will be like oh yeah it doesn't really have that fishy taste to it so for me that fishy taste is really the biggest turnoff and like why would you want to cook something to try and cook that already you know prevalent aspect of it out of it just to make it enjoyable and I, I mean you know we do that with food we cook chicken so you don't get salmonella like and you know and to avoid eating raw chicken like I understand that um But I jokingly, you know, mess with people eating fish and uh and say that like why would you why would you accept it that there is an inherent fishiness to it and still eat it or still try like it? But that's my own personal bias, so don't listen to me if you love seafood. Um but yeah, so I was down there and I um I was down in New Orleans and I got inspired to make a red beans uh and rice dish and I started um I kind of made it my own way. I uh, I make a turmeric-based rice where I actually add turmeric because, for those of you who don't know, turmeric is a I think it's pepper or it's a a type of spice um, that actually eliminates or helps eliminate free radicals in the body, um, and it kind of acts like a you know how tea has antioxidants. It's uh, very similar in effect where. Um, free radicals are things in the brain that cause excess oxidation um not they can occur in the body uh, but they're mostly found in the brain and uh excess the the term antioxidant comes from that over oxidation that you know that causes problems in the body um because uh you know in intercellular processes i'm going to get a little nerdy here but when cells are going through like uh, respiration and um, you know just all intercellular processes I'm using respiration as a example because for people who have like a high school level understanding of um, biology respiration is not completely unheard of Um, but in cellular respiration I think we came or um, in just any intercellular process I think um, the reason why things that add more ox you know oxygen to the equation it's, it's it's almost like um you have to look at it like a chemical equation and when you add excess oxygen you're messing up the already you know perfectly balanced by nature equation that humans um that humans function on or humans live off of so when you're adding excess oxygen into that system uh, it throws it off balance and that's why we have uh, free radicals are just you know oxidizers things in the things in the body that um, that produce excess oxygen and I've always I've always joked with my science friends or with anyone that uh, it's funny that the the same thing that we breathe and that we need to survive you know that's in water that's in the air is also killing us at the end of the day um, but again I'm not going to give the best scientific description of this one because. I don't want to say anything that's inaccurate but I'd, and two, I don't want to like uh, bore people to death. So, anything I say is kind of just a general reference point but um, free radicals are, I, I do know what free radicals are, they are things that, um, that cause excess oxidation and oxidation obviously throws off the balances of certain cellular um, reactions which again you know, cause um, cells to die quicker and then you to die quicker. So, uh, I, well, this podcast is actually coming up on an hour, which is crazy because i I got into the flow state when I was outside. I thought I wouldn't be able to, um, but I will pick it up right after this just to finish off the, um, the explanation on that, on that recipe. And then, um, oh, wait, wait, it's at 49 minutes. Oh, 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 I read it wrong. I'm sorry. Um, it's at 49 minutes. I have uh, 11 minutes left on that. So I think I'm going to use that 11 minutes left in this podcast. And then I'm going to trek back up the hill because um, I didn't get a very good view of the sunset. And so I'm going to have to get a better picture uh, just for the title picture of this, of this episode. Um, I think I'm going to take it when I'm standing over the edge so it looks kind of cool. Like It looks like I'm going to fall off if I take a step further. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll come up with some sort of picture design, and again, uh, the title, the title song for this episode is going to be When You're Smiling, in brackets, The Whole World Smiles With You by Louis Armstrong, one of my absolute favorite timeless songs, like, it literally puts, if it doesn't put a smile on everyone's face, then there's something wrong with you, Um, because it's one of the most just. One of the most peaceful songs I've ever heard in my existence, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, so... The sun is coming down, it is getting dark, and... I don't know if I am on the edge of someone's property or not, so I'm going to shift over... To the left, so that I'm not... So I don't get shot. No, I'm just kidding. People here are pretty nice about, you know... Obviously... I'm sure they would tell me before just being like, hey, what you doing down there? Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I'm continuing my excavate on, uh, outside for this, for the beauty of this nature cast. But since I have 10 minutes, let me, uh, let me try and remember by, by memory, uh, that red beans and rice recipe and see if anyone wants to try it out. It's pretty good. Um, I won't give exact measurements because that'll give away my recipe. No, I'm kidding, but most of the time I don't even use exact measurements. I kind of just go by how it feels and what I'm craving at the current moment. So if I want, you know, a little bit more spicy, then I add more spice. But um, yeah, so uh, generally I'll get jasmine rice because jasmine rice has that little bit more fragrance and it's also usually long grain rice. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of uh, short grain. Um, I don't like when, when rice is mushy. I always explain this to people and, and my parents especially, like, I don't know how to describe it, but the people at Chinese restaurants always nail rice. Like they always get rice to that perfect consistency. And at home, I found that we always make it too mushy. And the secret is you have to wash your rice. now. I'm not saying this will work every time, but I'm saying that the excess starch that you wash off the rice actually plays to the mushiness of the rice. So if you don't like your rice mushy, I would recommend washing the excess starch in a strainer and then um, proceeding by obviously boiling it normally. But uh, yeah, so the recipe starts off with, um, I washed the rice because you know I started doing that. I like my rice a little bit more. Um, firm rather than mushy. And then I uh, add a, a little pinch of turmeric to it just to give it. Um, now I'm <laughs> you know, I call me paranoid, call me whatever you want, but uh, I don't necessarily trust tap water. and so I feel like I kind of add turmeric for when I use tap water um, in boiling the rice. Just so that the, you know, the toxic or the lead properties that are often found in hard water, are kind of reduced by the antioxidant properties of the turmeric. So that's another reason why I do it—not necessarily for flavor, but I do it just to uh, give the rice a little bit of color and, but also make it, you know, aesthetically safer, I guess. Because some people don't believe that. I mean, I, I kind of just you know do it as an just in case sort of thing. But uh, so yeah, I start off with uh, turmeric rice. Um, it gives it that little, you know, tarnished orange kind of amber burn color to it. And then um, the red beans and re- or the red beans, um, I start off with, depending on the size of how much you're cooking, however many cans of uh, kidney beans. And then I add a series of, I use dry herbs just to be lazy, but, you know, later on when I get some more money, get a bigger kitchen, all that shit, maybe even. You know, bring my podcast into the kitchen and and have recording equipment and all that. But, uh, I want to, uh, incorporate more fresh spices, you know, more fresh oregano from from my garden, um, instead of using all the dry stuff. But so I'll add, uh, not in any particular order again, because I, I implore you to take this general recipe and make it your own, whether it be in the amounts of stuff you used or in the, um, when when you add uh when you add your spices you know how you add it sequentially or how long you uh, cook it for because those can all vary on the person and for me it varies on the time that I do it as well as um just whatever I'm you know mood I'm in circumstances of how long I have to cook etc but uh etc um but yeah so start off with a can or two of red beans or add in different beans if you want to make like a a bean assortment maybe like a kind of like a vegetarian type uh, style of chili um you can add in for those people in pittsburgh area a very good additive to the red beans would be kielbasa kielbasa sausage um, which i would recommend getting locally not from the store because there are some markets in pittsburgh which have um, uh there's a, there's a great polish and germanic or I, I don't know if that's the correct term but polish and german influence in pittsburgh so a lot of the sausage based um kielbasi, you know bratwurst all that stuff is uh there's a lot of very good vendors in this area because it's very multicultural and that's that's another reason why i love pittsburgh we'll get into that in different episodes but uh yeah if you want to make it more traditional to creole style cooking um, add some sausage. I, I would recommend kobasi because it's very fatty, uh, very, very good tasting. It's like a unhealthier hot dog if there is a, such a thing. But um, yeah, if you get some very good Polish kobasi to add into um, your red beans and rice, it'll be phenomenal. Um, so yeah, uh, that's optional. If you're vegetarian, obviously exclude it. Um, and you can, yeah, you can use any beans you like. I, I like, personally, I like to use uh, kidney beans because they have more flavor to me, and also they, uh, they absorb more flavor. And just in general, that's what I've seen used traditionally, in red, beans, red beans and rice. Um, but you can use pinto, you can use even black beans, but that would be black beans and rice, which I've also done. Kind of with the same ingredients, too, funny enough. So, um, yeah, I add... Cumin, cayenne pepper, white pepper, cracked black pepper, sea salt or Himalayan pink salt, um, uh, oregano. Uh, Sometimes I'll add thyme. Thyme kind of gives that little bit of, normally I don't notice it when I use it, so it depends. Like if it's in the spice rack, I'll I'll throw in a pinch just to say that I used it, but Another good one if you're using sausage, but it might already be in the sausage, is fennel. Um, adding a little bit of fennel uh, will give it that kind of anise-y taste uh, that, you know, that pairs very good with sausage. But um, I, again, I try not to use butter. So I've traditionally um, tried to cook it with olive oil. But, again, because beans absorb a lot of flavor, um, butter is more commonly used to give it that kind of characteristic because i found that like some people don't like beans um or i found a lot of people in the pittsburgh area i don't know if this is a a pittsburgh national thing but it's just it it could be just a giant coincidence not a conspiracy that uh the people in pittsburgh don't like beans very much so this dish probably is more for western appetite or, or southern if it's you know if you're trying to go really traditional, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, where'd I leave off fennel? That was an optional one. Um, here's a weird one. Cinnamon. Now cinnamon can be overpowering. Most people don't like cinnamon it's kind of like beans. Um, I found that it's either hit or miss with certain people, but I find that adding just a pinch of cinnamon can actually, if you like it can actually bring out a lot more of the flavor, um, gives it kind of a smokiness, you know, if you know the taste of cinnamon, um, it gives it a smokiness, uh, but it also pulls out on the natural sugars that occur, um, which also, a thing, uh, mentioning sugar, brown sugar is another thing that you could add, uh, just to give the beans kind of that more like baked bean taste. Um, but again, that's, that is more optional. Uh, I didn't realize that I have actually closing down on my last minute of this 59 minute segment of podcast. so um yeah I mean in general there's probably a couple things I I can think of to add to that red beans and rice recipe but again I'm not in the kitchen so this is all kind of arbitrary I'm I'm actually looking at a at a floating creek while I think of kitchen equipment so this is kind of weird but um again this is the more stable part of the podcast or podcast the first part was a little bit more uncaffeinated so uh, with 10 seconds left in closing um, I'll try to get a good picture while I'm out here and then I might be able to fit in another segment Um, actually yeah I am a closing segment uh, after this but yeah uh, this wraps it up for the nature cast part of it thank you Hello, everybody. This is the early twenties overthinker, and this is the last segment of the podcast. So I just returned. Well, not just returned. It is pitch black out now, and I am actually in the car. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. So I just returned um, from the little segment that kind of, uh, you know, paid tribute to the earlier experiment I tried with the nature cast. So I feel like episode three, which uh, I'm going to title uh, appropriately episode tree because I was out in nature and don't hate me for the puns. I uh, am channeling my inner dad. I just found out that my girlfriend is pregnant and I'm about to be a father. And yes, that was a very late april fool's joke so i hopefully y'all took the monotonous tone of my voice and realized that i was just kidding but yes um i'm recording this last segment in the car because actually you know what i kind of like car cast um i feel like i have more of a flow when i'm on the road uh, i think my mind uh like i said i've said in previous casts that um when my mind's on the road for some reason that acts as like a is uh, it's just a you know something to keep your mind on a single uh, on a single thought train rather than just jumping around like when I'm in nature and I'm kind of scatterbrained and you know I'm going over 10 different topics at a time but the dangerous thing about car casting is you can also lose focus when you have to pay attention to the road and because this car cast is going to be kind of just the conclusion, uh, conclusion to episode three, I um, I might have moments where oh no no that's not the thought I was going to go with. Um, because this is just the conclusion, it is actually going to be a shorter car cast. I'm only going down the road to go get some laundry detergent, and yes. Uh, if we are if I'm reaching any sponsors or any uh, sponsors in the making um I'm about to go get Tide Pods so yeah I would be more than likely to sponsor Tide Pods for clothing use only um not for edible use and this tow truck is driving extremely close to my car and if he would have hit my car I would have not well it would have been really ironic because he was a tow truck but I would have been very pissed um but yeah, so I'm just running down to the store, and uh, I just, I couldn't get a really good, um, I couldn't get a really good flow going in indoors, indoors, uh, that's a Spongebob reference for all you uh, crazy Spongebob fans, um, but yeah, I couldn't get a very good flow indoors, so I feel like um, I wanted to pull from my original ideas and make this episode a really long one, and just have all the different things that I've uh that I've experimented with all in one episode just as individual segments because I mean as I as I said before I'm just kind of making it up as as we go along um or as I go along. So uh obviously you're gonna see a lot of <laughs> moments where uh it doesn't make a lot of sense or doesn't follow some sort of chronological order and that's just okay with me because part of me being an overthinker is I kind of throw the order out the window, um, especially with this podcast. But yeah, so on a side note, um, I've actually, the reason why I, I waited a little bit to record this last segment is I've been feeling really ill and it's ironic that I started this, uh, well, it's not a new idea in the sense of like I'm sure... I know that other people have done this before, but um, kind of experimenting with my own podcast in terms of bringing uh, cooking and and stuff into uh, you know as a as a segment or as a uh, as a topic, and um, I completely destroyed my stomach. I think I actually have um, minor food illness or foodborne illness um, because of the amount. The sure amount of oil, and yes, I, uh, I originally mentioned that I usually grease the, uh, grease the pan with a little bit of olive oil, and I did that for this, and I regret it, um, I regret it hugely because it feels like my stomach right now has been stabbed several times, and I feel like the pain probably won't go away until, um, until whatever the hell I consumed. Although it tasted very, very good. Um, well, obviously, because there's, again, more oil in there than, um, than in the Middle East. But uh, I, uh, as a dummy, I kind of just ate the whole thing, you know. Oh, leftovers. Yeah, I'll just eat it. And then I went on that hike. And during the hike, actually, is when I started to feel it. And right after when I was walking up the hill, I was like, God, I feel really sick. And I really th- do think it was from um, my repurposed Chinese food, and this is nothing bad against Chinese food or against sesame. And I loved your food the first time, but I think the second time when I added um, the mixture of oils and uh, and everything, it just wasn't you know wasn't meant to be reheated um, or or whatnot. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm trying to push through it, you know, and uh, I wanted to push through it, obviously. Uh, and the store that I'm going to to get my detergents pretty close. So this is, like I said, this is just a, a conclusion, and it just happens to be in the car. It's not like I have a set, set place to go. Um, it'll probably be wrapped up here in the next five or so minutes uh, while I'm sitting in the parking lot awkwardly talking to nothing. But um, yeah, I don't sound very sick, do I? Well, I'm, I'm pretty good at faking it because for the past hour. It literally feels like there's someone just stirring up a giant witch's brew pot in my stomach and there's going to be something occurring later on uh not to be graphic but out of one or one end or the other pretty much um, but yeah I I rarely get sick um, so I guess this was a, a life lesson for everyone out there on the podcast that uh um sometimes Chinese food uh well, Chinese food's great but on the second go around um, it could be a little mistrustworthy Uh, so definitely just uh, stick to the uh, stick to you know when you get it fresh Um, and if not then just make your own food or just don't add more excess fucking oil to something that already has a lot of oil in the first place and maybe your stomach will thank you for that as well but um, anyway I mean hopefully I'm not grossing anyone out depicting the the hell that I'm gonna go through later but I mean again I don't take me too seriously I uh, I'm very uh, wow okay bro you just slid into that lane with no uh no rhyme or reason um that was funny I it totally caught my <laughs> so this car like without even putting on his blinker he just started to slowly merge into the lane as the car was coming up on him and, and then he was like oh shit I'm uh, actually not the only car on the road right now, and, uh, and he realized quite rather quickly that, um, that yeah, he, that shit don't fly, so that being said, I am turning into the, um, the store in which I'm going to purchase some, some Tide Pods and some, um, I think it's the Bounty, the orange, you know, fresh linen or original scent uh, dryer sheets, because I'm very college with my stuff, I've been surviving on Tide Pods and, and Bounty dryer sheets for five years now. Yeah, literally five years now. Um, mo- maybe over five years, but I continue to ride that out until uh, until eventually you know they come up with something a little bit more efficient. But uh, Tide Pods are pretty damn efficient when they're not being consumed by millennials. And that was not a shot on millennials. I'm just kidding, again. Um, I'm a little older I don't know if I even mentioned my age for this podcast but I am uh, I am 23 years old uh, yes I did mention it because early 20s overthinkers so I do remember mentioning um, that I was 23 but I am approaching the store that I'm about to purchase my lovely detergent from and then be on my way back home and I'm not going to record it podcast when I come home, because again, I just did this to conclude the long episode, episode tree, um and I know that there wasn't a very you know, like, cool science approach in this one, or, or anything really relevant, I guess um, just kind of like a bunch of rambling and, and me doing shit, and the interlude, yes I, I did play that on my guitar um, I kind of fucked up in the middle, so that's why I said it was Dustin and shite but other than that, um the title song again for you is When uh, When You Smile in brackets The Whole World Smiles With You by Louis Armstrong and for those of you listening to my podcast on different, um, different things other than Anchor by the way, because uh, I believe it distributes it to multiple platforms um, I don't know if it plays the title song so I would go check it out on Anchor just to hear the title song because I feel like that kind of is like a um, preamble to you know the flow of the podcast and, and the feeling of it and the genuinity, but um, with that being said, the lady right next to me is giving me dirty looks because I'm apparently talking to no one, so I'm gonna go get my detergent. And thank you all for listening. If you're out there, this is the early 20s overthinker. My name's Dustin, and peace.